and welcome to episode 16 of the Story Not Forgotten podcast, brought to you as always by Capturing Legacies. Because everyone's got a story to tell, we're here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies, as well as your host. And joining me today is a man who, thinking about it over the years, has actually had an amazingly profound impact on my life. From way back in the, in the old days, he started a, a magazine called Comatose Rose, which allowed me to join up as a uh, as a columnist and as an editor and propelled me into international superstardom, as we all know. Uh, years later... On our way to a car show, made fun of my point-and-shoot camera and plunked a big boy camera into my hands and changed my life again for that. And that photography is actually what led me to capturing legacies and led us to this here today. So without him, this podcast wouldn't exist. I'd like to welcome Azrael Knight. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Azrael, we do what we do without any ado. Why don't you tell us a story? Okay, so it started actually with an eBay purchase. Um, so I was looking for a special kind of spool. Uh, it's called 620. It was for an old medium format um, that I wanted to shoot with. And what I found was a few spools that included a couple of exposed rolls of film on them. Uh, this was uh, from a dead film format called C22. And so I figured I may as well see what's on them. I sent a few rolls to a company based in Saskatoon called Film Rescue International. And what I got back was pretty fascinating. The images were definitely from the 1970s. Uh, people in bell-bottoms, pogo sticks, that sort of thing. From there, I was pretty hooked. I, I had also seen a YouTube video of someone finding film in the middle of a New York blizzard, and they managed to find the owner by developing and posting the images online and then sourcing people to find clues and stuff like that. I found that process pretty fascinating. Um, so I started looking for more film online, and I also went through local thrift stores to see if any film had been left in the camera. I thought, these people don't know that there were images on them. The battery died, the film got jammed, and they just figured there's probably nothing on them. Uh, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, so I bet if I could find them, they would really appreciate having their photos back. One of the first major discoveries uh, was from two rolls of Kodak Triax 400, a really commonly used film. Uh, the seller had no idea what was on them. They were found as part of a buyout from a closed photo lab. As soon as I pulled the developed negatives from the tank, uh, I knew I had something special. Uh, staring back at me was this guy playing guitar on stage, you know, long hair, kind of rock, rock and roll kind of thing. And when I scanned the images, uh, I was absolutely floored as to the quality of the photos considering they had been sitting undeveloped God knows where for the last 30 years. Um, I had some clues as to who these guys were Obviously a rock band of some kind, and I was able to narrow down the date based on a few things. Uh, so back in the day, Kodak date-stamped their film production date uh, with a special code along the edges of the negatives themselves, and in this case the film was produced in 1978. Um, one of the band members had Iran Sucks on their <laughs> guitar strap, Taking that with the film date, I concluded uh, it was a reference to the Iranian hostage crisis, uh, which took place at the end of 1979 and the beginning of 1980. From a couple of different photos, I pieced together a banner on the back of the stage uh, that read Dizzy Duncans. 
Uh, so I decided to make a YouTube video about it, and I posted that on July of 2013, and started making other videos about uh, my other finds. Um, I needed a catchy name, and while I was brainstorming one day, uh, the words Mysterious Developments popped into my head. And uh, Developments being a play on film developing, uh, and the theme was inspired by Unsolved Mysteries. It's a good name. Yeah, yeah it was one of those moments where I was like, <gasps> yeah, that's it, that's the name <laughs> I'm going to use. I also coined the phrase, given time, all photos are historically important. So in a sense, this was film archaeology. Uh, the same way random pottery from a thousand years ago is significant, uh, the first 150 years of photography uh, is sort of seen the same way in my eyes. Um, and in November of that year, I received an email uh, from a man named Billy Shorling. And uh, Billy Shorling wrote, um, I'm a graphic designer, photographer, and musician from New Jersey. A couple of weeks back, I stumbled across your Mysterious Developments video regarding band images from discarded rolls of film. Because of my background and the fact that I spent a lot of time in the clubs back then, uh, I was fascinated by the images and started thinking about what the band could be. At the time, there were lots of southern rock bands in New Jersey, um, most of them with instruments uh, and the look that you mentioned. I think I may know who these guys are, but I'm following up with some contacts to make sure. Stay tuned. So a couple of days later, he writes back again. He says, we have a winner. The band was the Badland Band, and I'm in contact with the banjo fiddle player named Rich Gulia, a.k.a. the Cowboy Guy. Uh, he has already spoken to the other guys as they were still in touch and occasionally played together in other recordings. <laughs> uh, and I think it's fair to say that they are all a little surprised by the whole thing. Uh, so within a couple of days, the band members themselves were posting on the original video. And again, it was really amazing to hear that all these guys were still in contact with each other after 30 years. And still playing. And still playing together. Actually, they had just finished recording an in-studio song as the Badland Band at almost the exact same time that I would have found the roles. Wow. Yeah. So as for the photographer, um, we can't be sure who shot the photos. Um, but the prevailing theory is that it could be one of the band members' late brother. His brother died at some time, I think 1982, and he was a photographer and regularly shot their events. So the images were uh, shot in New Jersey um, at a place called Dizzy Duncan's, and uh, the best guess was that they were taken in 1980. Um, they weren't quite sure themselves, but that, you know, taking into account um, the date stamp on the negatives and um, the Iranian hostage crisis and all that kind of stuff, um, we figured it was 1980. Also because the, uh, the band had broken up, I think, by 1982. The, he said that they had changed the liquor laws at the time. Um, I think to change the liquor laws from 18 to 21 mm -hmm. or something like that. And, uh, and so it, it really killed... Makes it harder to fill a club. Yeah, exactly. Makes it harder to fill a club. So I ended up adding them to Facebook. I still have them on there, and I regularly, and I regularly see their posts. Um, of course, they were incredibly grateful to see the images, uh, as they didn't have a lot of photos from that time. Like they had some, like flyers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but these were semi-professional to professional-looking photos. It's uh, it's not easy to take a photo inside a nightclub. No, and I've seen the pictures, and they're really well done. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
So uh, from this point, I set out a press release. Uh, I did this because I wanted to bring attention to the idea of Lost Film, and I also hoped to attract more people to hopefully solve more mysteries. I published the press release and nothing happened for about six months. Uh, I was then contacted by an e-zine called New Jersey Stage. Uh, but even after that, the story didn't get much attention. It was actually about a month after publication when they had tweeted about it uh, that I retweeted the uh, their post, mm -hmm. and uh, the ball really started rolling. So the first people that contacted me were Metro. Uh, it's a local paper, and uh, they wanted an interview. And everything cascaded from there. It's kind of interesting how one media story picks it up, and then all the other medias kind of jump all over it. So within just a couple of days to a week, I was contacted by local and national news. I was also featured on 660 News and 630 Ched, uh, the Huffington Post. And I even had a feature spot on a program called Alberta Primetime. Uh, my website at the peak received 19,000 views in a single day. And basically I hit every media type, paper, radio, internet, and television. Nice. I was also contacted by Fox News, but uh, I didn't return their call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even a year later, I was contacted by Avenue Magazine and the Calgary Sun. Um, uh, so I made some other interesting discoveries from other roles of film as well. And the oldest one I successfully developed was probably about 70 years old. I was an old farm family, and it was so degraded that you couldn't make out the faces, but you could see the... Uh, the clothing of the time and stuff like that. And uh, viewers definitely uh, helped along with that. Mm -hmm. I would get people posting clues. Um, one guy in particular, he used to work for an insurance company. So you could show him the photo of the front of a house with just the house number and the city. And he knew enough about, you know, he had enough, he had a strong enough Google foo <laughs> where he could tell you where that house was and then look up uh, the mortgage records to find out who owned house at the time who would have been there then yeah it was pretty interesting wow and then uh, i would say my biggest discovery was a collection of about 2,000 already developed images um from a war photographer essentially who was posted in germany just after world war ii and there's all sorts of photos there um like hitler's old uh, headquarters and uh you know place a lot of places that today would be overrun by tourists, but by then just open space, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and of course, uh, the ruins from all the bombings, churches mm. with, you know, full of holes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, everything before it got rebuilt. Exactly. So that's a, a short but important part of history. Yeah, I would say the majority of those photos were shot between 1949 and 1951. Mm-hmm. Um, so all in all, I would say I solved uh, seven cases in total. And everybody that contacted me was really happy to see the photos they lost. Uh, grand old photos of grandparents that, you know, are passed away and childhood photos and, and stuff like that. And because not even the photographer had seen the images, um, you know, it was, that, it was that much more interesting. Mm -hmm. So these days the project is on hold. And uh, as you can imagine, it's incredibly time-consuming. Uh, when you consider that many of the roles are blank, developing time, uh, research and producing a video, uh, it wasn't really a sustainable project from a monetary standpoint, even as a hobby, unfortunately. Um, I'm, not just, I'm not saying that I'll never pick it up again, 
Um, but as of right now, I'm sort of focusing on other things. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, you're talking about people, like you, you were finding most of the film in thrift stores or things like that. Now, I know that somewhere in storage at my parents' place is my grandfather's old Braun camera that he used during World War II. I have, I've never looked at it. I'm not sure if there's still film in it. If people are finding a camera like that that still has the film and they're thinking possibly of getting it developed, what would they do? Well, the first thing to know is that film is incredibly resilient. It's not like a memory card where, you know, you've got binary and if one zero or one something is out of place that the whole thing is corrupt. Um, Film degrades very slowly over time and that can be reaccounted for when you're in the developing stage. Uh, The first thing that I would say with that is that there's a good chance that there's photos on there. A lot of the time people shoot the roll, the batteries die, or they forget about it, it gets put in a box, and then from there the person, you know, passes away and it ends up in an estate sale and stuff like that. So you definitely don't want to open up the back. Um, I would Google the camera model itself and look f- and look to see how it would rewind. You could send it off to a place like Film Rescue International, uh, which really specializes in this sort of thing. Uh, and if you're nervous about removing the film, uh, you can send it out to uh, you can send it out to them with the camera itself. Like just box up the whole thing and send it. And... Yeah, just box up the whole thing. Um, if you're going to send it like internationally, you might want to put something on the package saying "Do not X-ray." Uh, X-rays aren't guaranteed to ruin the film, but the film's already sensitive enough as it is, and and multiple X-rays will definitely ruin it. Well, cool. I mean, it's it's an amazing project. Uh... I remember when it was going on and all the attention that you were getting from it and uh, seeing you on the news and things like that. Uh, Thanks so much for sharing that. It's interesting to hear the entire story behind it. Thank you. Now, what are you working on now? Uh, These days, I've got another YouTube channel, um, which is just my name, essentially. And I mostly focus on film photography, but I do some digital stuff as well. So first impressions on film types, first impressions on old cameras. Um, it's broken down into two parts. The first is this old camera, which is sort of like this old house. And I do uh, reviews on classic cameras and I include the history and old commercials and you know how it fits into pop culture and stuff like that. So when the camera's featured in a movie, um, I'll definitely add that in. Uh, famous photographers, like for example, Drew Barrymore is an avid photographer and mm-hmm. she shoots with the Pentax K1000. Uh, I did another review on a camera called the Canon A2E, also known as the EOS 5, and uh, that was featured in the Matrix, and that whole Matrix look where... Oh, that was the bullet time camera? Yeah, the, that was the bullet time camera. So they set up like a hundred or so of those <laughs> in a in a half circle, and they basically just shot it all around like that with a special rig. Um, so I find that really fascinating, and I think other people find it interesting as well. And then the other segment is the vlog, and that's Days of Night, and that's basically just me going out and shooting and, you know, testing out these cameras, these old cameras and these film, uh, these old films and stuff like that. Modern films as well, because um, I don't know if your viewers are aware, but people are infrequently but still releasing new film types, mm-hmm. um, and companies are bringing film back, like Kodak's bringing back Ektachrome. Uh, Polaroid just made an announcement that they're bringing back film and cameras. Um, so, so I, I focus mainly on, on that sort of thing, um, and a little bit about the philosophy, but I mostly let people shoot whatever they want. So, 
Well, it's an amazing channel. You've got some great videos up. We'll make sure to get a link up in the liner notes and we'll put it on Facebook and all that. And we'll, uh, we'll hype it up as much as we can. There's, there's one video in particular on the channel that I'm, that I'm really fond of. Oh yeah. Which yeah. one's that? Oh, it was one that came out a couple months ago. I don't <laughs> yeah. remember the name of it. He had some funny guy on there. I believe it was uh, <laughs> choose or uh, shoot your own adventure with yeah, Liam Rathgaber. Yeah, that'd be the one. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But we'll definitely get that up. We'll uh, we'll, we'll post it on social media as well as uh, have it in the liner notes. So definitely check it check it out. It's Asriel Knight. Just get on YouTube, look up Asriel Knight, or we'll we'll put links. We'll make you easy to find. Great. Thanks very much for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time. Everybody has a story to tell. Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started.